Hi there people, and welcome to episode 6 of Rethinking Lost. Today, we discuss our first audio comment from a listener, and then we talk deaths. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Rethinking Lost with your hosts, Scott Copperman and Elton McManus. How are you doing, Elton? I'm not too bad. How are you? Very good. Very good. Uh, Comic-Con has just come and gone, and as we've promised you guys right from the beginning, we are looking to stay season six spoiler-free, so don't worry about listening to today's show and accidentally finding out so-and-so is coming back from the dead or this one's actually the reincarnation of that one or or whatever might have been discussed who or where everything we do is pure speculation and we're not that smart so most of it will probably be wrong (laughs) but what we will be doing is looking back and as you know our spoiler policy is if it's already happened it's not a spoiler but for the future you know as we said don't worry everything's just speculation and uh, oh, we're pleased to announce, if you don't know already, that we've been accepted into the Lost Podcasting Network. Yes, excellent. Thank you very much, guys. So there's a whole host of other Lost podcasts that you guys can check out. We'll have a link to the network on our site page, and you can certainly check it out. I'm totally made up by that, though. It's brilliant. Besides the Lost Podcasting Network, we got a nice shout-out from the Scuttercast, which is a Red Dwarf podcast. Uh, I've, I can't find Red Dwarf anywhere to see it, but I'm getting more and more interested in it as I listen to their podcast. So I gotta find a source. And we got a bit of uh, audio feedback, a response to some of our earlier. I believe this was our unsolved mysteries, not unsolved mysteries, our loose ends from. Yes, from the loose ends. First couple episodes. episodes. Yeah. All right, and this is from Anthony, correct? That's or right. Farm on yes. Twitter and Simply Syndicated. Hello Elton, hello Scott, it's uh, Anthony here from the Scuttercast podcast, uh, Ori Studform on the forums. Uh, just a quick, I just wanted to say thank you for this podcast. I have really have got a bad memory when it comes to remembering you know, key things from Lost. Uh, as much as I love the show, there's just little things that uh, if, if I had remembered it beforehand it would have made me enjoy episodes better. Uh, coming up to the final season... I was planning on, to get my full enjoyment out of it, I was going to revisit all the old Dharma Dummy episodes and other uh, podcasts. And when I heard you was doing this one, it really, really made me happy, really got me excited. I thought, great. As you know, on our podcast, we do a podcast of the week. We've got the next few weeks worked out which ones we're going to choose. I've bumped yours straight to the top of the list. Um, So, yeah, a real big thank you for Rethinking Lost. Uh, Excellent. It's really going to make me appreciate this final season uh, so much more. Uh, The main reason I wanted to send you this audio um, was just about the um, things that you think have been addressed or not been addressed. Now, when Lost first started... We knew there was something mysterious with the island. You'd got the um, the polar bears and there was trees shaking and uh, you could hear creatures at night, weird noises and sounds. And when we first came across the others, they were almost like ghostly figures. Um, you had lots of mutterings and 
Uh, people seemed to appear and disappear, and they, were, they certainly seemed very mysterious. And one of the things that stands out for me is um, to do with Ethan. Now, when Ethan kidnapped Claire, he he ran away with her, as you know, and everybody went after him. Um, and Charlie ended up hanging from a tree, and it was hinted at. In fact, I think they came out right and said he got to have some sort of superhuman strength to have done that. And I always, it really made me think that these are a different being, you know. It, 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 I don't know what I was thinking. And they never seem to have addressed this super strength that he must have had to be able to leave Charlie dangling the way he did. Uh, I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. Uh, I'm going to keep it short. I'm uh, going on holiday in a couple of days. So, um, yeah, I'll leave you with that. Uh, thanks for the podcast again. Loving the show. Hmm. There you go. Well, that's a good point. I actually had forgotten about that. And I think my reaction at this point is it's kind of the way they sit there and say the pyramids were built by aliens and, you know, there's no way a human being could have done this, that, or the other thing. And and it just turns out to be whether the use of pulleys, whether the use of of um, just a certain angle and, and effort. I, I think perhaps they were trying to create the the sense that the others could be non-human but I, I think it's probably rationalized at this point that Ethan just it wasn't that hard to lift Charlie no <laughs> as it turned out no he's a skinny little runt really wasn't he a little little druggy at the time wasn't he so right um my thoughts on it I, I'd totally forgotten about this as well yeah they are trying to make or it seemed like they had superhuman strength and there was something a bit odd about these people because he beats the living daylights out of Jack as well doesn't he yeah Ethan Ron straight after that and he yeah. really does pound him to the ground I'm just wondering whether he had, he had help getting him up into that tree or whether he's because he was hanging by his throat in the vines wasn't he so maybe he's mm-hmm. used the vines to pull him up himself and I'm guessing because he had a uh, a blindfold on he was unconscious anyway when he was hanging there right and it also leads to the another question was Charlie actually dead in the tree and did the island want him to come back? Could be, yeah. Did the island let him come back because he had unfinished business to attend to? He hadn't kicked his uh, drug habit at the time. Right. And he had other work to complete, really. I find that there's a lot of these loose ends and, and mysteries and seeming... Um, I forget the right word, but disconnects between... Or in, seeming inconsistencies between things that all come back to Jack and that we think Jack, Jack is this great scientist and doctor maybe Jack's just not that good I mean he says a lot of things that people in the cave oh you know judging by the decomposition of their clothes and the bodies and they've been there for 30 or 40 years well, maybe he's wrong you know it had to be superhuman strength to lift Charlie up like that well maybe he's wrong <laughs> maybe, maybe Jack just isn't that good of a doctor do you think he's more of a blagger and just worked his way through life? No, I'm sure he has skills, but I just by default, everyone just defers to him that he's, oh, Jack said so. Oh, Jack said so. There's very few people actually question Jack on the island. Yeah, that's true. Apart from all, all the other alpha males up there vying for their title. Yeah, well, they question... They question his leadership skills, which actually have proven to be very poor. But 
other than Boone, you didn't have anyone else who professed to have any kind of medical knowledge. And what is it, Doc Arts, the the guy who uh, blew up with dynamite? Yeah. <laughs> didn't he say at one point to them, like, you guys are stupid, like, it's not very smart what you're looking to do. Yeah, yeah. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. But I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of times things are are become kind of iffy and, and suspect and it all gets traced back to well Jack said it had to be this way well maybe Jack's wrong maybe, maybe the bodies in the caves were there for 20 years maybe they were there for 50 isn't that why he took a step back in uh, in season 5 and it was more of a, a faith based Jack that we saw then he was going along the whole science thing all the way up until he jumped into Dharma time and then he just took a step back and go okay do you know what? I was on a plane, and now I'm on an island. Let's see what, where this takes me. Yeah, he just seemed to kind of not quit, but just his whole character de- deteriorated to me. Then it was just like a lovesick schoolboy. Just I just want Kate back. Yeah. I just oh. want <laughs> I'll kill everyone to get Kate back. Yeah, I hope there's no more triangles in season six, please. Well, that's a good question, Anthony. I, I think it's. Uh, definitely something that we both had forgotten and uh, I'll have to see there's probably other examples of them suggesting the others were more than human I'll have to take a, a look back and see what else we can find yeah oh it was down to the the silent footsteps as well wasn't it mm-hmm. that was kind of creepy when I can't remember who was hiding in the bushes was it Jin and someone else were hiding in the bushes they saw the feet walking along and then you saw the teddy bear dragging behind yeah and you didn't hear a single footstep. So, what were we planning on for the episode as a whole today here? Since that Charlie nearly died in the uh, in the vines, should we go for uh, characters that have died throughout Lost? Yeah, I think there's been a number of characters who may spend some time with the Losties and, and on the island and have, are no longer with us. But some deaths were meaningful some of the departures just kind of left you going like what why were they even there yeah so we have the list from imdb.com of the full cast of credited actors and we're just going to start at the bottom work our way up through the ones who are no longer alive as we know it and we'll talk about uh, the significance to the character and the style of their departure <laughs> and maybe any other things that have come up before or since. Again, not spoilery, but just things that, that we didn't know at the time and now we do. Awesome. Okay, right. Should we dive straight in there? Sure. Right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Greg Grunberg. Greg Grunberg, the mysterious Greg Grunberg from last episode of Rethinking Lost. Yeah, now he was the pilot of Flight eight fifteen and he was he was the first per was he the first person that we saw die? Yes. He was yeah, he was the first person actually killed off and he was ripped from the plane by a mysterious force or by the beast or the monster or whatever you wanted to call it at the time because we didn't really know what it was. Right, was, he wasn't at the crash site. They went in the jungle and they found him with the radio. He was strapped into his seat at the time, wasn't he? Right. Yeah, so he wasn't at the crash site. He was there his significance is he's the one who who told us all that they were was about a thousand miles off course, or they had been, how long they had been flying and and how far off course they supposedly were. So that's where 
when we all as fans of the show started to try to figure out where this was all taking place and where the island might be, that became the the frame of reference. Yeah, so very important to actually set in our minds to to where they are and we don't know where they are. It's crazy. No. So it was great to have him there and what a death scene as well. Yes. We did see him after too in a I can't remember if it was actually on the original airing or in the reshoots or or on the DVD, but there's a scene where he's in the airport talking to it's either Claire or Anna Lucia. Okay. At the bar before the flight. Was he drinking before the flight? Ooh, I don't know. I didn't think about that. Okay, people out in listener land, let us know whether he is drinking or not. I'm pretty sure it's a deleted scene. And uh, he meets someone in the airport. I, for some reason, I think it's Claire, and I think Claire was nervous about flying. Yep. And he told her not to worry. I could be way off on that. <laughs> I'd always be disappointed if I saw a pilot walk through an airport and there wasn't at least two or three women in tow, like the 1950s and 1960s, where pilots were totally awesome. <laughs> Here, let's see. I can actually find a real quick description. The deleted scene of Seth Norris and Claire are talking about Claire's baby. And that's on uh, the season one DVDs. It's from Exodus um, part two. Okay. But yeah, so Seth Norris is the one who tells us that six hours in, the radio went out. No one could see us. They turned back to land in Fiji. And by the time they hit the turbulence, they were a thousand miles off course. So that even if the people were looking for them, they'd be looking in the wrong spot. Yeah. Awesome. Now, he, he found the transistor radio, didn't he? And I think he was... Wasn't he looking to find out what the noise was coming from outside the cockpit? And he put the uh, the radio on the seat, and then he was dramatically sucked out the window and then left to hang in a tree, which was fairly gruesome. Cause he, he, he looked fairly skinned at that time as well, didn't he? Yeah. So. Yeah, he crawled out the front cockpit window to look when they heard the noise, and then uh, he's ripped right out. Brilliant death scene. And what we don't know for sure <laughs> is that uh, it is why he was the pilot. Because we found out later that Frank Lapidus was supposed to be the pilot. That's right. And the wedding ring not being on the body that's found in, in the deep sea trench uh, is, is basically how we start to know that that's a hoax. And So it was a pretty significant character. I think it was a very significant death as well. Yes. To prove a point that there's something huge on the island that no one knows about. Yes. Okay, moving up the chart, who we got? There's a number of mentions of a survivor, you know, just nameless survivor who dies. And wasn't there a character that... The woman goes out swimming and Boone tries to save her and he almost drowns. Ah, yes. Yeah. So although that character themselves, again, is not a very meaningful character, in its own right, it tells us something about Boone. Boone who <laughs> thinks he's a lifeguard and, and thinks he's can help Jack with some of the medical things. What's in the... I forget if it's in the... the Nicky and Paulo episode or where it is where we see Boone getting sent to go find a pen to make a... <laughs> A breathing tube. He's got a lot, lot of self-confidence in him, but he doesn't know where to point it out, really, does he? He's yeah, like, I, I think the death of that girl and the fact that Jack has to come out and save Boone tells us a little bit about Jack and a little bit about Boone to his character. So yeah. I think that was a meaningful death in that sense. Let's see. Other characters 
have been gone, such as uh, Zach and Emma, the two little kids, but we haven't, we don't know if they're dead or, or where they are at this point. Yep. Right, I'll tell you who died next. Should we go for that? Sure. The marshal <laughs> escorting Kate from Australia to LAX. Yes. He's the next one to, to bite the bullets, and he's crashed on the island. He's got a bit of aeroplane hanging out of his body, really. Mm-hmm. And Jack fights to save his life, and Hurley helps to fight to save his life as well, and that's when he passes out, when he sees all the blood and a little bit of humour there for everyone. And the only thing he really gets to say is not to trust Kate. Right? He never really gets to say anything about Kate, does he? Uh, it, it gets a couple of conversations. It, it, that's all he tends to say, though, isn't it? Just don't trust her. Oh, she got to you too. Oh, just don't trust her. And then mm-hmm. uh, he actually ends up dying... Sawyer tries to kill him, doesn't he? Yeah. He puts a bullet into his heart and then misses because he's rubbish at shooting. (laughs) (laughs) Unless it's a polar bear. Yeah, cracking shots on the polar bear. Oh, we forgot to mention the polar bear. The polar bear died as well, didn't it? That's true. But yeah, uh, Sawyer tried to shoot him into the heart. He thought it would be the best way. I would have personally gone for the brain if I'm going to put someone out in their misery. (laughs) He's gone for the heart. He's made a total pig's ear of it, and Jack's had to go in there and settle him down, and he ended up dying that night. Yeah. Well, now, one thing they never really explained is why that Marshall was so obsessed with finding Kate. We know in a lot of the flashbacks, he's right behind her. He's chased her down. He he wants to get her bad, but we don't know why. What is it about his and her relationship that, that motivated him? Because that, that's a common theme, I think, when you have like that Ahabish kind of obsession with, you know, you can't let that one can't be let go. You have to get this one. This one can't escape. And I know Kate is hardly a saint, and, and she did kill someone. But I mean, of all the the ways you can kill someone, it was in her twisted view of things. It was like a defense of her mother kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't like she was a you know out on the highways shooting people random people as they pass by no okay well let, let's stick with that story for a minute um mm-hmm. I always get so confused with this Kate story um, on who she actually killed now did she kill her stepfather or her father her f- real father is the soldier is a general the one who ended up meeting Saeed at some point yeah Right, and okay. her parents are divorced, and the mother's new husband is the abusive jerk that she kills. Ah, because I've seen it so many times, I just can't get it in my head. Because I always thought that she accidentally killed her real father by accident, and the marshal, or the the guy in the army, was mm. her stepfather. And then it's shown to her later that he's. You know, you've actually killed your real father, and then she's all shocked about it. But maybe I'm wrong there. Or obviously, I am wrong. So, yeah, she goes after she's committed the murder. She goes to her father, and the father's I can't. I think he gives her like a five-minute head start. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he can't help her. Oh, I've always read it wrong. Never mind. I can't get it all right. You know, perfect package like this. I'm not going to get right. everything right, am I? It makes you more approachable to meet the occasional there. <laughs> All right, well, I'll give you another character death. The guy whose son was having the affair with. The guy who jumped out the window? Yes, or was pushed. 
that that's one of the things that's it's implied it's a suicide but you never know maybe you know what did had he had he tainted uh son's family's reputation by being with son and and therefore mr pate had him taken care of i believe he jumped from the window because uh jim was going there to do the deed wasn't he he was going there and mr pate had set it up so he'd uh, catch his daughter in bed with that guy or mm. something along them lines anyway and he knew he'd take him out anyway after he saw that and I'm guessing he knew he was coming he jumped out of the window and Jin saw him land on the car didn't he right so you think he did it out of fear of what was going to happen because I always felt he came across as very confident and certainly disappointed in Sun but I think it's more honour thing that he couldn't win Sun so well, you win son, you lose son, I suppose. <laughs> but they did sleep together, yes. and she was still planning on leaving him when they landed. Um. So it wasn't like he had no hope. I mean, he, she was still decided that she was going to go this different route. I still think that he, uh, Jin would have ended up with son. Okay. Personal opinion, but... I can see that. I mean, I, it's one of those things I, I think that uh, Mr. Paik was somehow involved in either motivating him to jump or, or throwing him out. So yeah. I agree. Quite a gruesome death, though. I can't remember how many stories he fell or plummeted from. Right. But landing on a car is not a good way to go. So do you think you know you consider him an important character? Did we need to see that? Um, it's important yep. from the aspect that he taught son English. Well, if if they had just left it that son was going to leave Jin. Yeah. And there was the, we never met the English tutor. There was no suggestion of uh, I mean there was enough reason to think the marriage was going to fall apart in that we saw how much Jin had changed. Yeah. And how much he was turning into this this m- machine of her father. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So did we need to see the affair for anything other than what essentially was a filler episode or maybe gave us a little reason to trust Juliet where we try to find out who the baby is. I, th- I think we did need to see the affair because you need to see that little streak in Sun. It pulled that little devilish side out of her and without that then she's just a cutesy tootsy little girl next door that doesn't do anything. That's true. And really she's taken her life... Oh, taking control of her life and moving on without other people trying to latch onto her and control her life like her father has done all her life yeah that's true well let me tell you here's one thing that that for me is a a hang up it was important for son to be pregnant because otherwise that, that was that was a big reason why she had to be in the Oceanic 6 she had to get off the island because she was going to have this baby and she couldn't be there for the baby or they she would die yeah and yet once she had the baby she was one of the worst mothers you've seen on tv yeah. i mean not not even taking into account that she's left the child behind i could maybe choosing between husband and your your baby and or something cultural i could i could see something like that but they were just 
we didn't see any sign of of maternal instinct on her part. No, she could have paid so many people like Penny to look mm-hmm. for their island and find ways like that. But no, she decided to up and leave her kid and go search for herself. And then she turned into the Michael character, didn't she? Right. Instead of Michael looking for his boy, she was looking for her husband. And exactly. she That's a good parallel. She didn't get many lines, and literally every line that came out of her mouth was, have you seen my husband? Where's yeah. my husband? And it, oh, shut up. You know, one of my favorite episodes, though, and I know it's not everyone's, but is the one where the first time I think we see that flash flashback kind of mixed in. Is it flashback and flash forward? Yeah, the yeah. flashback and flash forward kind of mixed together when Sun has the baby and you think Jin is is coming to her in the hospital and he ends up, it's, he's going to see uh, the business associate of Mr. Paik. Yeah, yeah. It took me two, two watches to work out what the hell was going on there. And even though in terms of actual character development and stuff, it might not have been very significant. For me, I, I just thought that was a very well written and crafted episode. I just enjoyed watching it. I thought that was brilliant and it's it was a great way to show don't expect everything to be very linear because you're getting far too used to these flashbacks or flash forwards. So you know, yep. let's cur- throw a curveball for you and there you go. What do you think of that one, guys? Alright, well, let's go to another dead man. Montand. Ah. Montand, well, we can do the whole um, Danielle Roosevelt party. Although okay. Montand was the, the name that we knew first. Yes. Montand lost his arm. How do we... L- no, of Monton. Or Monton. I think when uh, she caught Saeed. Right? When he was exploring the island. Okay, yeah. And she's explaining who she was and what, why she was where she was and the little bit of history she knew. Yeah. Danielle mentioned back that, you know, that was a, a, t- a marker in time for her. Yeah, that's right, yeah. In terms of the mythology of the island, it certainly. For us, it, it was an important time frame. It it created some mystery to us whether Marvin Candle might be the infamous Montan with its uh, yeah, with his missing prosthetic arm. arm, and that had to be an intentional parallel. Yeah, yeah, had to. That's another little curveball that we have thrown, wasn't it? Just to yeah. keep keep us on our toes. So then, this past season, we actually got to meet Danielle's party, and then you know. At first, I was kind of disappointed. I thought, you know, well, that was a whole lot of noise for nothing. Um, what what did we really get out of that that viewing of that time period? What back in the eighties? Yeah, seeing Montand and and Rousseau's party. I mean, it was important in the sense that they rescued Jin, but that whole death of and turning of and that that sickness. Supposedly, we were told the sickness was the time travel. And now here we see the sickness that affected Rousseau's group was a different kind of sickness. It was the monster taking over their minds. Yeah. Monton dying. Um, I, I actually thought it was quite important because we all wanted Daniel Rousseau's story, didn't we? And that is all interlinked together. I th- think it was also important because it, it showed us... We already knew the black smoke came from the ground at certain mm-hmm. points. But it was nice to see 
it wasn't the actual temple we saw, it was the surrounding wall of the temple, wasn't it? Well, it suggested that, anyway. Right, and it's the route that Ben and Locke go later. Yeah, to get into the temple. They go underneath the wall, don't they? Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to... It's just filling out the picture nicely. It's, it's not too much to ruin the backstory. We're not going down roads where we're, they're telling us stories where we we shouldn't really be told. It's, it's told in such a, a, a very good way that everyone can enjoy it. The only thing that did ruin it for me ever so slightly, Jin was helping uh, Russo or whoever else was holding onto Montan's arm. Mm-hmm. Then you saw the smoke monster curl around his arm, didn't you? Around his shoulder. Yeah. And then pull him down and it ripped his arm off. Right. Why was his shirt still attached to his arm? Surely his arm would have just pulled straight out of that shirt and it bumped know, maybe, me. Uh, maybe they were holding the wrist and got quite a tough to sleeve. No, it was, it was just um very short sleeve shirt. <laughs> and there was just a bit of shirt there. <laughs> it's like a kid would have drawn it. That, that, that's the only thing that bugged me. I can't really explain that, I guess. <laughs> I want it explained. I want it explained in season six why that was there. Well, all right. So I'll, I'll give you that. That seeing seeing Rousseau's group was important in the sense that we did get the sense we finally knew Rousseau was not part of Dharma. She was definitely from an outside group. Yes. That she was not insane and and kicked out of an island group. That she was lonely. She was sick from having her child lost and seeing, you know, her whole world fell apart in a matter of instance, but where she was truly a strong character who had gotten beaten down and 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 probably was tortured by the sense that there's these people out there, they have my child, I, I'm hearing these noises, I saw what happened to my group. So I guess in that sense, it, it was important to see, see her party, I, the death scene, where it happened is kind of important. Yeah. One thing I was impressed about, uh, who was her husband? I can't remember her husband. Anyway, her husband had the gun up to her and he was saying, oh, I love you, you know, you, you're carrying my baby. And she dropped the gun uh, in front of him, didn't, didn't she? Yeah, she lowered it from it, yeah. Then he raised it up straight away and pulled the trigger. And it clicked. The firing mm-hmm. pin had been removed. Now, if you go back into season one, Saeed's got the gun and he goes to shoot. Danielle as well mm-hmm. and she turns around and says to Saeed oh yes he didn't realise the firing pin was missing either and I just thought that was brilliant that was just wow. awesome when I rewatched it it goes oh that's wicked wow that's, that's a good catch I was, I was really impressed with that so wow I don't know if we're going to be able to top that I, I'm going to suggest then that we draw the line right there and we can move to Rousseau and Alex and and some of the other deaths that have gone on in our next episode. Okay. But I think that's that's the catch of the show right there. <laughs> I'm very impressed. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> if you if you see anything else that we missed, some other parallels, I know we did a little bit of speculation here. We probably got a few things wrong. Um, definitely send us an email. Let us know. Let us know with your comments and suggestions and thoughts on other people dying. If we've got anything wrong, let us know. And we'll amend it with a little apology. A tiny little apology for you. Send all your emails and stuff like that to rethinkinglost at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at 
Twitter forward slash Ultimate Manus. You can follow Scott at Twitter forward slash SHC1970. Yep. And check we'll... out our other podcast if you like, An Apotheosis of a Bombast. And definitely go back and check the old episodes. If you joined us late, There's um, this is episode six. We'll be continuing our review and rethinking of Lost Deaths and Departures in upcoming shows, but go back and check out some of the loose ends and other things we've talked about. Yes, brilliant. All right, well, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you very much, and see you later. Bye.